Seven Minutes in Hell by Meratricious Lee Read by Literarian Chapter 3 Self-Discovery Surprisingly enough, the first thing Crowley wanted to do after the Bentley drove them both home was to fall into bed. He'd never done that before. Oh, he'd slept quite a bit, even through the newly tantalizing near entirety of the 19th century. But the demon would have to have a death wish to actually leave their body unattended on the mortal plane for even a few minutes. The worst an undefended angel might face, if discovered by human beings, would be to get pestered for miracles. A demon could get a holy water wake-up call if they weren't careful. The safest way he'd found to sleep was to pull both physical body and non-corporeal mind into a pocket dimension inside his own infernal soul, which was a bit like those luggages that fold up into their own containers, if those containers then vanished from this plane of existence once zipped. He was generally careful to leave an appearance in the human world an illusion with only a single tenuous connection to his soul that would alert him if it were disturbed. When sleeping in his internal stronghold, he left it laying flat on its back on the bed, not bothering to even lift the covers. It felt no discomfort and somebody could toss holy water on it all day without Crowley receiving so much as a singe, much like how taking a hammer to a doorbell won't harm the rest of the house. It was unfortunate that appearances were so limited. They couldn't move or interact much, so were good only as placeholders when the lack of personality wouldn't be noticed, although that could explain some demons he'd met. On the flip side, it took very little energy or effort to maintain appearances, so they were useful while you rested or were otherwise occupied elsewhere. The Bentley knew the way home, and he let it drive with only the fingertips of one hand on the wheel, his chest a roiling cauldron of... Emotions? Demons didn't have emotions, after all. Not like these ones. And the first thing any demon should do if they discovered themselves unfortunately burdened with such feelings was to learn how to hide them perfectly. The second thing was to learn how to control them utterly. Such feelings could only be a weakness in any member of the infernal host, and weaknesses would be exploited by anyone who discovered them. There were no favours in hell, only trades of equal kind, and Crowley knew he had nothing big enough to trade to keep that knowledge secret. Even a deal would not be surety enough. What better way for someone to earn their own commendation from the lower powers than to accept payment from Crowley only to immediately betray him? The Bentley parked itself in its space on the street. Crowley barely recalled climbing the stairs to his floor. Once in his flat, he stood numb just inside the locked door. Bed? Soon. First, his plants. He picked up the water mister by the door of the atrium and moved among them robotically, watering them based on muscle memory alone. Gradually he became aware of the susurration created by all the various houseplants vibrating in desperate fear. Crowley had thought it was fun before. See, although he earned any number of accolades in his line of work, he didn't actually inspire much fear in mortal beings. 
or anyone really, unless he made an effort. Animals didn't, as a whole, much like him, but they weren't afraid of him. At first, threatening the plants had been simply to motivate them. It was Hell's main method of encouragement. Why not try it? Then he had to come to realize that he did, in fact, intimidate them. And it was fun to feel a bit powerful, a bit like God or Satan, perhaps, with the power of existence or non-existence in one's hands. It was fun before. Stop it, he ordered in an even tone. If anything, this made the trembling of the greenery even worse. Had Be Not Afraid worked for anyone, ever? Crowley sighed, dropped the mister back onto its shelf and meandered onward to the bedroom. This room, to be perfectly honest, looked like the inside of a brand new Apple computer. All stark shades of white and grey with trendily rounded edges. The bed was topped with a grey quilted duvet cover and in the centre of the steel headboard was set one single red decorative throw pillow that had never been touched or moved. Crowley tried out something that he'd seen humans do on TV. He stood beside the bed, ramrod straight, and fell face first into the mattress. Had he actually been mortal, he would have cracked his skull and broken his nose, cheekbone, and most of his teeth. As it was, he lay stunned on the unyielding object for a long moment before recoiling with a snarl. What was this thing? An eighteen centimeters thick slab of concrete? He snatched back the duvet cover. Oh, it actually was an eighteen centimeter thick slab of concrete. He remembered now. The designer had suggested a square black iron bed frame and asked his preferences regarding a mattress. Cement for all I care, he'd answered. The man had been so delighted, peak post-post-industrialism, that he hadn't heard Crowley's rejoinder of, no one's ever going to sleep on it anyway. Well, this was remedied easily enough. In an instant, the mattress sensibly remembered it should be memory foam with a feather bed topper, and black sheets of Egyptian cotton made themselves up in place. The demon tossed the grey cover back over it all and, a bit more gingerly this time, fell into bed. He sank to a satisfactory degree in softness that was quite sinful in nature. With a muffled moan, he rolled his shoulders and stretched out his back before swimming to the head of the bed to climb between the sheets. Once under a comforting fortress of sheets and blankets, he let his clothing disappear. The feel of Egyptian cotton had an astronomically high threat count on his body's bare flesh. Well, hell had nothing that could hold a candle to it, that's for sure. No more avoiding it. Time to turn his mind to the events of the evening. What on the entire earth had happened to Aziraphale? Right up until the flip of the lock, the angel had been Crowley's regular angel, his gently vague, somewhat helpless and utterly harmless persona firmly in place. For it was a persona. Only an idiot could interact with Aziraphale for a relationship spanning millennia and not spot him dropping it occasionally. 
Crowley figured he knew why he did it, having the persona. Aziraphale already understood on some level, likely even consciously, that he did not fit in in heaven. Which, by itself, was not a casting out offense. But paired with might be a threat in any way, probably would be. Heaven wasn't terribly kind to those who were different, even if they just asked questions instead of obeying mindlessly. Crowley thought perhaps that was part of why Aziraphale loved books the way he did, because by reading them one could learn practically anything they wanted to without having to ask anyone else anything at all. Especially if one had memorized the Dewey Decimal System. Crowley resolved to show Aziraphale the internet someday. It would really blow his mind. The demon could only admit in piecemeal how much time he spent thinking about his angel. No. It had been as if the doorknob lock was a switch that had flipped him from regular Aziraphale into an aspect of himself rarely seen, focused, intense, darker, oddly enough. He remembered the last time he'd seen that other aspect. An autumn evening in 1990. Aziraphale had owned the shop for about five years at that point. Crowley had dropped in just before closing to take him out to the opera. He'd picked up a copy of Hunchback of Notre Dame to thumb through idly as he waited, attempting to project average customer vibes as strongly as he could. His first hint that something was amiss came when he heard his angel speak to two men entering the shop. We're preparing to close, Aziraphale had said. Crowley glanced up, startled because his tone lacked the lilting sing-song he would have given the regulars and tourists. We're not here to buy, answered one of the suits politely enough to start. Or rather, we're not here to buy books. The demon saw the subtle shift in Aziraphale's posture, the tiniest clench of his jaw as he shook the man's hand, who went on to explain earnestly that their firm had just purchased the two buildings next door to the bookstore. Meanwhile, the second man, who had not yet spoken, was doing his best to sidle down a side aisle of shelves, and Crowley, who had mastered both sidling and lurking in his early days as a demon, and knew a rank amateur on sight, gently shut the hardback home he was holding. The tiny noise sounded like a thunderclap in the empty shop, where the one man was whispering urgently to his angel, and the other was perambulating intentionally to a spot out of view. Aziraphale turned his head just far enough to catch Crowley with a quick glance out of the corner of his eye. The demon was transfixed. The darted look said as clearly as if loud, Do it. Crowley did not laugh at the order. He set down the book and began a proper sidle of his own, following the second well-dressed tough. Who was, he discovered, all the way in the little reading nook at the end of the shelves. The man took something out of his mouth and slid it into a small bundle he held in his other hand. No smoking on premises, said Crowley airily, sauntering up him past stacks of books and crowded little tables. The stranger folded his hand gingerly around what he held. Must be hot. What are you, the staff? Nah, I'm a freelance, but even I know the rules, so leave.
This last was snarled through a mouth suddenly containing way too many teeth. Crowley had pulled his sunglasses down, and, as if removing a mask, revealed to the suited man a face out of nightmares. He dropped what he'd held in terror. Crowley helpfully stepped to one side to create a space, and the man bolted through it, headed for the front door. The demon picked up the cunning little packet and examined it thoughtfully. It was a bundle of three matches wrapped in a piece of notebook paper and tied lightly with a string. The man had lit a cigarette and pulled it until the tip was a bright cherry coal blazing too hot to properly smoke, then slid it filter-end first into the bundle. Ah, an incendiary device. If he'd placed it without someone realizing, it would have burned unnoticed for several minutes before roaring up to destroy all the literature around it like so much dry tinder. Crowley thought of a few choice blessings as he meandered back to the central area of the shop. Here the first suited man was still murmuring, even though his hands kept folding themselves in a helpless, restless motion, ceaselessly. He didn't seem to be able to look away from Aziverfell's calm gaze. Crowley curled the little packet into his palm, not feeling the heat. He brought himself to a stop a metre behind the angel's right shoulder and stared at the man. Really, if you ever think of selling, please think of us. We'll be developing the other two lots shortly, so you'll see our number on the sign. Just give us a call and please ask for Justin. That's me, he said, not pausing for breath, starting to get red around the collar from the effort, and he still couldn't look away. I sure will, interrupted Aziraphale and Crowley would have given just about anything to be able to see the look on his face. Then again, the way Justin was hypnotized, maybe it wasn't a good idea. You should go now, the angel added. The spell was broken, the suited man turned and fled the shop. Spine straight, Aziraphale held out his hand. Crowley set the still smoldering packet into it. Slowly, Aziraphale's head moved to regard it. His fist clenched and flames burst from between his fingers, devouring the device. What a nasty little trick, Aziraphale said in that same strange, calm little voice. The fire burned itself out after a moment, and he turned around and Crowley flinched. Now it will never hurt anyone ever again, the angel said, looking up into Crowley's face. His eyes were the darkest shade of storm cloud blue that the demon had ever seen them. Then the storm broke and faded away. Aziraphale smiled and he was halfway back to his usual self. Sorry for the spot of bother. Shall we be going? Crowley wasn't quite himself at all during the opera. He barely remembered it whatsoever. He remembered spending the next two days trying and not quite failing to sleep in his frozen wasteland of an interior stronghold, wrecked with some confusion about what churned inside him. The order, unmistakable, do it. And he'd done it. And if hell knew, he'd be far worse than damned. How had it felt to know instantly what the angel was thinking, to move as smoothly as a cat's unsheathing claw to work his will in his stead? 
to return to his right fist like a hunting falcon to the gauntlet, the deepest parts of his heart murmured. Crowley had shuddered and burned, alone in perpetual twilight. And this was same as that, over two decades ago. The switch had flipped and then, trapped there in the silence together, Crowley felt himself drawn into Aziraphale's will again, held mesmerized by the serene and self-composed power in his touch. Crowley, here and now in his burrow of sheets, became aware that he could still smell his angel. His hands were practically soaked in the ethereal musk from his hair, and his face and throat were bathed in that specific perfume the demon would know anywhere, even layered under thousands of other lesser scents. His touch, his breath, his kiss, leaving indelible marks on Crowley's flesh. He brought his hands to his face and created a cave of them, inhaling deeply. Somebody! A tremor racked his frame. Lust. Yeah, let's talk about lust. Not long after the near burning of the bookshop, Crowley had gone looking for porn. Every couple of years after that he tried it. Porn was easy to find, and none of it thrilled him. None of it did anything for him. All it seemed to be was random humans doing things of various disgustingness to each other. For that matter, Crowley felt more moved by the wild nature shows that filmed animals mating. At least the passion there was real, if caused more by instinct and pheromones than emotional connection. Stacks rutting, lions mounting each other, serpents entwined. Four hours of Animal Planet later and Crowley had had to take a cold shower in an irrational stupor, wanting something and not knowing what or how to get it. He opened his hands, spreading them down his cheeks and throat, out across his shoulders. Never mind other demons. Hell had lust, of course and it was always on a job among the living. The damned were already damned. It'd be a waste to try to tempt them further. So if any demon had personal sexual knowledge of any other creature, Crowley wasn't aware of it, and probably neither was the rest of hell. But he'd gotten some ideas over the eons, somehow. He passed one hand down his body, fitting it to the place on the opposite hip where Aziraphale had gripped so tightly. Ah, his angel. Crawley tested the feeling of the apartment, so attuned to him that he'd know if there was even a single ant or serpent invading it, much less any larger being, before daring to think, his beloved... He'd wanted to spread him out on crimson sheets, creamy white against a brilliant red. Naked, stripped of every single shred of haberdashery in which he armoured himself. That incredible scent wafting recklessly all around Crawley, like incense in a pagan shrine. Crawley had wanted to explore him, every centimetre of him glancing up at that gentle smile over and over as he became acquainted with the wrinkles on the tips of his knees and the texture of the skin at the back of his heels and every crescent moon curve of his finger and toenails. Staying safe for a while in the past he'd seen before, in passing, 
before he moved further into terra incognita. The insides of his elbows, the hollow of his armpits, the flatness of his chest and little bumps of nipples, the soft curve of his abdomen. And here, further down, where he is like me in our treason, Crowley's hand moved and found himself half-heart. Remembering Aziraphale's erection against his thigh brought another surge of sensation. He pulsed against his own palm and groaned. The heat under the sheets, the softness of the linen caressing him, the confusion weltering in his midsection and the curious tension in his groin. In the moment it was too much and he poked his head out from under the blankets into the relative cool air of the room. His skin felt like a fitted garment half a size too small. He gnashed his teeth, wanting something to bite. Like a burning sigil in his brain, he saw the half-circle imprint of his teeth on the right lapel of Aziraphale's suit jacket. It drew him in. He centered it in his thoughts. Crowley stroked his fingers from the base to the tip of his prick and gripped it briefly. He could feel his heartbeat in it, the organ that was normally optional now working overtime to pump blood to this specific extremity, also optional. What did it feel like for Aziraphale? What did it feel like with Aziraphale? Crowley? His angel's voice echoed in his mind. <laughs> 